you haven't already made your way to your seat, so we can go ahead and get started. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Joshua chapter 24. We are coming to the close of our Joshua series today, and I pray it has been an, as impactful to you as it has been to me. If it hasn't, sorry about your luck. Um, no, I'm kidding. We don't believe in luck. If you listened last week, you would have heard me say that. We don't believe in luck, but no. Uh, I love the I love the book of Joshua. I love the story of Joshua, and I love um, Corey. I'm going to move these over. Yeah, sorry. it's okay. I just don't want to step on them. Um, I love the story of Joshua. I love the absolute uh, faith that Joshua has. Joshua has no problem with having this faith that goes beyond and and above. And he learns so much uh, from his time with Moses, but also during all of the things that God has done through Joshua's life. It's an amazing story. Today's ending of the series comes as Joshua is about ready to leave his people. Joshua does one last uh, amazing faith, amazing uh, comment or encouragement to his people before he uh, passes away. Joshua was 110 years old when he passed away, and, uh, but he, even to the very last days, was giving out hope and prayer and excitement to the people uh, of Israel. If you have been in church for very long, if you have uh, been in a P. Graham Dunn store, if you have been in any bookstore, Christian bookstore, you are surely to see, not my mother-in-law, surely, but you are sure to see, uh, I know, funny, right? Uh, Yeah, thank you. I'll be here all day. Uh, (laughs) Make sure you you tip your waitresses. Uh, No. you are, you are for sure to see a sign that says, ask for me and my house. We will what? Serve the Lord. Yep, we will serve the Lord. And, and Joshua has this wonderful story that he says. And so today we're going to tackle this comment because there's, as there always is, there's much more than just one statement that Joshua gives to his people. And so we are going to uh, look at this story in Joshua chapter 24. So if you have it, turn to Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. But before we do, let's pause and pray and ask the Lord to be with us. Father, we thank you so much for the courageous faith that Joshua has. We thank you so much for his courageous faith of living his life the way that you have called him to live and that he would be able to go about and do the things that you have asked him to do, Father. Lord, we are amazed at some of the things that Joshua has come across, and even from the Jordan River to uh, you know the walls of Jericho to uh, even just what we spoke about last week as, as Joshua prayed to have the sun stand still in the skies. Lord, there is so many amazing things of faith that Joshua has taught us, and we just ask you, Lord, today that as we close this series up and we, as we close on the book of Joshua, that we can learn to have courageous faith that we can learn to walk like Joshua walked, learn what he walks. And when he says, Father, as for this day, as for my house, we will serve the Lord, Father. When When he says those words, Lord, there's so much impactful comments there. And so, Father, we ask you today, help us unpack that. Help us to be able to make that covenant, to make that commitment today, as Joshua did and as Joshua urged his people to do. Lord, we glorify you, we honor you, we praise you. Lord, I pray today that my words would not be my own. Holy Spirit, I have done all that I can do for this message, and I ask you that you would come in and do what you do, Father, best. That you would go beyond our words and just 
reach into our understanding, remove any hindrances that keep us from hearing what you would have to say to us today, Father. And let us hear exactly what we need to learn from this verse, these verses today, Father. We glorify you, we honor you, and we praise you in this most precious and holy name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Joshua chapter 24, starting in verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in, and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites whose land, in you, land you dwell. But, uh, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's an interesting comment that Joshua starts with here. And it's, it, it's this comment that Joshua is knowing that he is, he's coming to a close of his time. Joshua has found the end of his time. He has found the end of his life. And he is approaching this, his final death, uh, deathbed days. And, and he wants to leave this amazing encouragement with the people of Israel. And so he begins this comment to the people now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Just as a reminder, if you read before this verse, Joshua was reminding the people of everything that God did. Sometimes, and we didn't read it today, but if you have time to go back in and you read what Joshua did and what, what Joshua was telling the people, Joshua goes before the people and he reminds them of all these amazing things that, that God has done for them. It is good sometimes for us to take a step back and look at and say, this is what God has done for us. This is the amazing things that God has done. God has done some amazing things for the people of Israel. From the Red Sea all the way through the Jordan River to the walls of Jericho to the uh, over and over and on and on and on again. I mean, even the book of Deuteronomy when Moses was there and the feeding of the, of the people by the falling of the manna. And, and I could go on and on and tell you all of the stories that Joshua has experienced with the people. Now, some of that was under Moses' leadership, but yet the people of Israel have been amazed and have been given all of these miracles in their lives. And Joshua reminds them of those things. But then in verse 14, he says, Therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. It's an amazing comment because I, I, I struggled with this for a moment because Joshua has just gone about and told the whole entire country of Israel what God has done. He's reminded them of that, but yet then he goes and says the very next thing. Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm in the people of Israel and I'm standing before God and I'm seeing all of the miracles he did, that should get us into the place of serving God in sincerity and all faithfulness, should it not? That would be a good place for you all to say yes or Amen. <laughs> The Lord has done amazing work in their sight, and yet Joshua is reminding them not only of all the things they've done, but now he's reminding them to serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. And then he goes on to say, put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt. Wait a minute. You're trying to tell me, Joshua, that the people of Israel who have experienced all these miracles, have experienced all these things, still find themselves serving a God that they should not be serving. 
in essence, what Joshua is telling the people is that, you know, God has done all of these things for you, and yet you still choose not to follow him. What's going on here? I mean, if I was Joshua, I'd want to really just take out a wooden stick and beat some people over the head with it and say, how, how dumb can you be, right? I mean, seriously. I'll start with chess. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, Pastor Chess. But then he wastes no time and he, he drops the gauntlet and says, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of our fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose the land you dwell. What Joshua is telling the people is that, listen, you cannot serve two gods. You have to choose which God you're going to serve. If it's not the Lord, then who are you going to serve? If it's not God, who are you going to serve? If it's not the Lord in heaven and it's not who you are and it's not who you're going to serve, then who are you going to serve? Joshua is asking the people of Israel like the same way I'm asking you today. If you're not going to serve the God who has done amazing miracles in your life, amazing miracles in my life, amazing miracles in all the lives around of, of the people here at this place right now, right here, then who are you going to serve? Stop being half-hearted. Stop dipping your toe in the water just to see if it's warm enough to stick the rest of your body in. Either jump in or jump out. Make up your mind. Joshua makes this statement because there are some had to have been questioning. And I'm sure just like that day, there are some today that question how good God is. Some of us may be questioning, is God worth me jumping all in? Some of you may be questioning, is God worth it? Now listen, some of you may not even be questioning, but your actions prove that you really are questioning. Your actions are, I'm going to kind of have a faith, but I'm going to kind of do these things, but I'm not fully going to, get, I'm not fully going to dive into this, this thing called Christianity, this thing called my Lord and Father in heaven. We do this because... We're afraid if we jump all in, it's going to be more than what we can handle. We're afraid, and we're afraid that we're not jumping all in, and if we don't jump all in, we're afraid that we're going to get more than what we can handle because we really don't have a true understanding of who God is. See, the people of Israel would have jumped completely in and would never have been reminded of this had they given their whole entire life and everything that they had to the miracles that they had just seen. But they didn't. I hear oftentimes as I'm talking with people, Pastor, you don't know what it's going to take. If I come to the Lord, I'm going to have to give this up. I'm going to have to give that up. I'm going to have to, it's, it's all this fun things I get to do and I'm, you're asking me to give this all up so I can come be this stuffy Christian and not get to do anything fun. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that you're missing out on a whole heck of a lot of fun over here as a Christian than you are on anything that you hang on to. Right. I... I can honestly say if you're questioning whether there's nothing on this world, nothing in this world that's worth keeping a hold of and not giving up for the Lord. See, the truth of the matter is, is today in this very place, we're either serving God or we're serving something else. There's many Christians today that are serving, kind of trying to serve God in a 50% way, but yet they're still hanging on to the world and hanging on to other things and they're serving that too. Do you know even today atheists serve a God? You know, it's, it's, it's the funniest thing when I have a conversation, and I just recently had a conversation with, with an atheist, and, 
And he began to try to tell me, oh, I don't serve a God. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in anything. And I said, well, you actually do believe in something. You believe that there is no God. And your God is actually that there is no one there that's listening to you and hearing you. So what you're believing in is nothing, where I'm believing in something. So you can go believe in nothing if you want to, but I'm sorry for your luck. And he looked at me, he's all confused. He goes, no, you don't understand. I don't believe in God. And I said, I know, I just told you that I, don't, I, I understand you don't believe in God, and that's fine. Don't believe in God. You, it's your choice. You get to choose whether you believe in God. But your very fact, the very point that you're believing that there is no God is something that you're believing in. When atheists learn that, they hate that, by the way. Um, they don't like that. But see, today, in this world, there are many who are serving the gods of sex. Yes, I just did say sex during uh, a sermon. <laughs> there are others that are serving the gods of alcohol. There's others that are serving gods of addictions, gods of, uh, of money, gods of, of everything. There's so many gods in this world that people are serving that they can't even understand that they're serving. When we don't jump 100% into God and we don't give everything that we have to God and we place that thing before him, what we're actually doing is saying, this God is more important than my God, at least in this area of my life. And so instead of serving him 100%, I'm going to serve him enough so I get my butt to heaven when I die, but I'm not going to give him everything that I have here today. That's why no one likes when a pastor stands up and says, I'm going to do a sermon on tithing, right? Everyone goes, oh. But you know exactly why the Lord has us to tithe? The Lord doesn't need my money. He doesn't need your money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything. He, he's the one who made money. for. <laughs> the reason why he asks us to do this is because he doesn't want us to serve the God of money. And he wants us to remind as we, as we fill out that that tithing envelope and that tithing check, and we put money in there, it's a reminder that we're not serving the God of money. We're serving the God who provides us with the money. That's what tithing is all about. But it's not just tithing. It's everything in our life. What is it today that you're serving today beyond God? Think about it for a moment. There has to be something in your life. If you put something before, it doesn't have to be. I should, shouldn't say that. Let me rephrase that. There is oftentimes something in our life that we put in front of God. And when I say that, and I say this in all due respect, I love my kids, I love my wife, I love my family. But when my family and my wife and my kids come before my God, then there's a problem. And that I have made my wife and my kids and my family a God. And so we need to roll that back and say, I'm not going to do that. The reason why Joshua has to speak to these people, the reason why Joshua is sharing this is because somehow, somewhere within their midst, they have put something above God. And so Joshua comes out with his gauntlet and says, choose this day whom you're going to serve. A long time ago, and when I say a long time ago, like long, long time ago, I feel like I'm reading the, uh, the script to Star Wars, you know. <laughs> I played football. And, uh, you know, I, I started and, and my heart wasn't really in it. And I would, I would, I remember one day I went to practice and, and the coach looks at me and he says, uh, he goes, Jason, if you don't put everything in it, it's not going to work out for you. You're going to get hurt. You've got to put everything that you have into this game. If you don't put everything you have into this game, it's not going to work. 
And honestly, part of my testimony is why I was playing football and all of those things. But I remember one day I got up there and I'm, I'm a lineman and I'm playing defense on that day. And I, I got down on my hands and a three-point stance. Chad's not in here, so I can't tease him. But three-point stance, right? And I get down there and the coach blows the whistle. And the next thing I know is I'm flat on my back with the biggest headache I've ever had in my whole entire life. The coach comes over and looks at me and goes, I told you if you don't put everything in it, it's going to hurt. The reason why it hurt is because I was so slow off that whistle because I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to put the energy and effort into it. I was not devoted to this game of football. And so therefore, every, every person that was in front of me totally wiped me out and totally knocked me over. It's the same thing with life. It's the same thing with our faith. If we don't go 100% in our faith, if we don't make our faith the most important thing in our life and let everything else build off of that, then what's going to happen is that there's going to be a God of this world or a God in your life or a God of your job or a God of your money, whatever it is that's going to come and it's going to wipe you out. And it's going to leave you with the biggest headache and you're going to be laying there wondering, what's going on? What just happened? And then what's going to happen is you're going to be in this uh, this emergency mode where I have to fix all of the things that I just had as life just bowled me over. It happens every single day. It happens to every single one of us in this room. When we don't put God first in our life and we don't serve him first, then what happens is this life will come and it will bowl you completely over. We must learn to follow God 100% with everything that we have. We must be all in, if you will. I used to, in the business world, I used to laugh because I could tell people, I could tell as I interviewed people who was really all into this interview or not. You know, you get some people walk in, and, and Corey, you probably had this before, right? You get people walk in, and they really don't want to be there to interview. They're probably just interviewing because they have a, a government requirement to, to interview, if you know what that means, by the way. Let to hear or hear the words that I'm saying. And so... They're just there to interview, to, to make something else up. And they come in and they're so disingenuous. They don't want to be there. And then you have those people that come in and they're so nervous and they're so afraid that they're just sweating bullets and they're like, they're, I, I, I don't know how to answer that, that question, you know, and they're so nervous about everything and you're sitting there having this conversation with them and trying to get them calmed down. The point of the matter is, is that you can see when you're in or when you're out. God can see when you're in and when you're out. If humans can see when you're in, if I can see when someone's in or out, who think, why would you think that God can't see whether you're in or out? God can see whether you're in or out. God can see whether you're devoted or not. God knows that maybe there's area in your life that you have to work on and, and he's going to maybe challenge you on that so that you become more devoted in those areas. But God wants to know, are you behind him? Are you there to serve him? Are you going to follow him or are you going to follow something else? The question that Joshua was asking, I believe, was a very prophetic question to the people of Israel that came down from God. And God was asking through Joshua, are you going to serve me or are you going to serve someone else? Now, the problem of this is, is the people of Israel didn't always serve God. I mean, you could go backwards into the life of Moses and see where they built a golden calf and totally messed up and did everything they shouldn't do. You can go forward and see where they began to serve the gods of Baal. And, and serve other gods and, and have many troubles. I mean, over and over and over again, the people of Israel were, I, I, sometimes I read the Old Testament and go, are you kidding me? How stupid can you be? Some of you are looking at me with blank faces because you obviously haven't read the Old Testament, but that's okay. Read it, it's really good. 
But the story is the same. We have a choice who we're going to serve. Joshua not only made his proclamation for himself, but he made this proclamation for his whole entire house. You understand when he stood up, Joshua stands up before the people and he says, choose who you want to, whether it's going to the gods of the lands that were in the Amorites. They had just battled the Amorites. They just, just won. They're living in the land that used to be the Amorites' land. And he says, you can choose to follow those gods if you want to, but it didn't get those kings and those gods really far, right? They're all now dead. They're all gone, by the way. And so if you want to serve them, go ahead, but you're serving a God who's dead. So go ahead and do that if you want to, but that's pretty stupid of yourself. I wish Joshua would have said it that way, but he didn't. That's my interpretation, right? But Joshua doesn't just say, serve the God. He's, he's, he's saying, serve the God you want to. Make your choice today. But as for me and my house, Joshua doesn't just claim the stake that it's going to be him. He doesn't just claim and say, I will serve the Lord. Joshua makes the claim right then and there that it won't only just be him. It's going to be his whole entire house. Can I speak to the parents for a moment? All of you that are in here that have kids or whether they're grown and old or not. May I speak to you for a moment and just say, when you live your faith, when you live for your faith as a parent, when you stake that claim and say, I'm going to choose to follow this world, guess what happens? It's more often that your kid will follow along. That doesn't mean it'll always work out that way. It doesn't mean that your kid will always, your child will always be perfect. Your child won't always be perfect. I can guarantee you that right now. If you don't already know that, I'm sorry, but maybe we should have some parenting counseling going on. Because I guarantee your child's not perfect. Even as, even as beautiful as little Johnny is, he's not beautiful and he's not perfect. I can guarantee you that. But the truth of the matter is when you stake a claim for your faith and you say, I'm going to be all in, it's more likely that your child is going to follow the steps of your faith. Why? Because he begins to see you living out your faith every single day. He begins to see you or she sees you living out your faith, reading the Bible, down on your knees, praying to God, asking the Lord to come. When you're, a, when you're a parent who's only halfway in, when you're a parent who decides that I'm going to pray when things are bad, guess what happens? Your kids will begin to see that and they'll only pray when they have something going bad. When you're a parent who only comes to church when you feel like it, when you woke up in time for some, some reason and you don't make a commitment to it and you come to church, guess what's going to happen? Your kids are going to start doing the same thing. Your kids will follow your example. You are a parent. So when Joshua says, I'm claiming the stake and my, me and my household will follow the Lord, he's not just saying himself. He's saying all of his family. He's saying all of everything behind him, his servants, everything. Over and over and over again, I could tell you in scripture where there's stories that when the head of the household, whether it was the father or the mother got saved, the whole entire family ends up getting saved. Go to the book of Acts. And read the amazing stories in the book of Acts, and you'll see that. The hard truth is that when you stake a claim for your faith, your family will also then follow along with you more often than not. This decision was not just for Joshua himself, but it was for his whole entire house. My question to you is, is your faith making a difference in your household? Is your faith making a difference with your kids, with your wives? You should only have one wife, with your wife. <laughs> if you have more than one, we again have to have a conversation, right? <clears throat> I 
Verse 16 says, Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us up, brought us, who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did these great signs in our sight, and preserved us all the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out all of the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will serve the Lord, for he is our God. The people respond to Joshua in the correct manner. They remembered all of the things that Joshua had talked about. They remembered all the things that God had done for them. And so they respond in this right way, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. But then Joshua says something really unique in verse 19. He says, but Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. Now, I'm going to pause there before we continue reading. I don't know about you, but it's such a downer when you get before you get all excited. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. And as a pastor, I'd stand up here and say, you can't serve the Lord. That's a little bit of a downer, right? <laughs> now, what is Joshua really saying during this time? Continue on reading, we'll jump into there. But Joshua said to people, You're not able to serve the Lord, for he is holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after, you ha- after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are a witness against yourself that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, will, we will serve and his voice we will obey. What may seem like the most downing moment of Joshua's career this out-of-place comment that Joshua comes back to the people right after they have made a decision to follow God, and he says, you're not able to serve God. You spend any time reading this verse and spending time investigating what Joshua was saying here, what Joshua is really telling the people is that you can't serve two gods. Joshua is reminding the people that you can serve God, but you can't serve another God. You can't say that I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to follow God, and then decide to follow someone else. You can't do that. That's impossible. God is a jealous God who wants only you to follow him. He doesn't want you to follow anyone else. The problem I believe today in the world that we live in is Christians too often are following more than one God. They may be 75% God and 25% whatever they're following here. They may be 50-50. Sometimes it's reverse. But too often we find that we place something in the place where God deserves that honor and glory. Something in our life, some type of master has creeped into our heart, creeped into our life, and caused us to be built up. As I said before, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's addictions of any type, and I'm not just talking about drugs and alcohol, I'm talking about addictions of all types. Whether it's your relationship, physically or intimately. Whether it's your job, anything. There, there can be some really good things in your life that become the master of your life. 
That doesn't make everything bad. God created intimacy between your husband, between a man and a woman who has been married, has come together as one. It's the most beautiful thing. But sometimes even that can be put on a pedestal and put up so high that we forget that we're serving God and God created this wonderful thing. Yeah, I'm talking about sex during Valentine's Day. Excuse me, sorry. But the truth of the matter is it's not just intimacy. It's not just relationship. It's so many other things. Our jobs often become so much part of our life that we begin to do things for our job that we wouldn't do otherwise. We begin to sacrifice our relationship with God because we have to follow this and we have to do that or we have hobbies in our life. We've seen really good hobbies in life. Listen, having, your, having a hobby in your life is a wonderful thing. I love to make maple syrup. That's my hobby right now is to make maple syrup. But I guarantee it's not going to take away my time with God. In fact, it, it, it enhances it because I sit around a fire in the middle of winter and read my scriptures or pray to God as I'm sitting around a fire. It's the most amazing thing you should try. None of you will, but that's okay. I'll say you should anyway. <laughs> You'll try the maple syrup, right, Corey? Yeah. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, though, listen, anything that we place before God in our life becomes an idol. There's a reason why one of the Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt not, that's easy for me to say. Look, I was trying to do it in in King James Version. Scripture tells us that we shall not have any idols before God. What is the idols in your life today that you have allowed to place before God, that you've allowed to creep up? Sometimes it's just even our health. Sometimes it's working out. Sometimes it's hobbies. Sometimes it's everything that comes in. If somehow those hobbies, sometimes our health, sometimes our job, sometimes money becomes such a thing that we we have a love of money that we forget that God is the one who gave us all of that. And it becomes so much a, a, a distraction to our life that we don't serve God. We serve the greenbacks, the dollars not possible to serve two masters. We have to choose to follow one master, one God. Joshua is reminding them that God is a God who doesn't like anyone else taking his place. May I remind you in this very place today that God doesn't want anyone taking your place in your life. There should be no one in your life. When you are married or when you're seeking that special someone, right? When you're out there looking for that special someone and you're, and you're trying to find it or whether you found that special someone, that Valentine, if you will, right? They should never take place of God in your life. You should never sacrifice your faith or your, or your God for your relationship with someone else. You should, it should always enhance it. A husband, a, a, a soulmate, someone who comes into your life who, who you may not have married yet, but you might marry someday, will enhance that. They won't tear that down. They'll never try to replace that. God is very clear about that, that God is first in your life. Then that person who's in your life is second. And we must understand that. We must understand that we don't want to serve two masters. Joshua is reminding the people that God, again, doesn't like anyone taking his place. He's reminding the people that there should be no half-hearted attempts. No, I made it almost all the way. I was almost there. I did really good today. I did really good this week. No, God doesn't want your really good. God wants your best. He wants everything that you have. He wants all. That may seem like a jealous, that may seem like a a, a comment that someone shouldn't make, but God deserves it because he created you and he created everything around you. 
And I guarantee you that it's not giving anything up. You're not giving something up to serve God. What you get back in return is so much greater than anything that you'll have ever given up. You cannot serve another God and serve the Lord at the same time. You just can't. You can't just say, well, you know, in case it doesn't work out with God... I'm going to keep this little thing burning on the back burner here, right? It never works in addiction recovery. You can ask Pastor Chess. Oftentimes what happens in addiction recovery is that people don't go all in. They don't 100% say, I'm going to allow my life to change. They back off for most part. They, they go to meetings and they do those things that they're supposed to do. They go to CR and they wonderful things to do and they do all of that. But somewhere behind the scene, they're, they're, they're keeping a hold of that thing. They haven't fully dealt with what's going on in their hearts. They haven't fully dealt with what caused them to get to that place because they don't want to. It hurts. It hurts to deal with it. It hurts. It's easier to hang on to, and so they just hang on to it. But while they're doing that, what they're actually doing is trying to serve two gods, and that doesn't work. Eventually, this god of this world is going to raise its ugly head, and you're going to have to make a choice. And most of the time, what people do is because they're used to the addiction and they're used to something, they fall to that. That's not just people who are addicted, by the way. That's all of us in this very room. If you're not making a stance for God, if you're not saying, I'm going to do this, what you're allowing to do is you're allowing temptation and sin to enter into your life that's going to cause you to worship another God instead of worshiping this God. And so you have to make a stance today. You have to make a commitment. You have to say, this is who I'm going to follow. Joshua challenged the people of Israel to do that. They come back and they say this. The most interesting thing that he says is that you are now a witness to what you just said. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to choose like Joshua did. But please understand this. I'm going to ask you to make a covenant before the Lord to say, here I am, Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord because there's nothing else in it. I'm going to ask you to make that commitment. I'm going to ask you to live by that commitment. But understand that as you make that commitment, as you say those words, you are witnessing to God before. You are the witnesses that God is looking upon and he's going to hold you to that command. He's going to hold you to that covenant. Old Testament time covenants are not a, are not a light thing. Many, t- many covenants in the Old Testament that was formed resulted in death if you broke that covenant. I'm not saying that God's going to come down and kill you if you sin and you fall away from him. God's a, a loving God. That's the one, most wonderful thing about our Father who we serve. Yet it's a very, very, very serious thing when we go before our Lord and we say, I will serve you, I will follow you. The time for halfway followers is over. It's time as Christians that we either put up or shut up. It's time as us all in this room as Christians, and not only in this room, but every church around this world, every, every Christian has to come to this place. And I believe the Lord has been shaking the ground to get Christians to say, are you real or are you not real? And it's time for you to choose. Because I believe what's coming soon and what Revelations tells us is there's going to be an end time revival at some point. Most wonderful thing. But that end time revival comes with a lot of things that also accompany that end time revival where if your faith is not really chosen, if you're not 100% in, you're going to fall away. The Lord's going to come in and, and I believe, sift the wheat and the tares. That's what Scripture tells us, right? 
that shifting, that shaking, that shaking of the wheats and tares to separate and say, are you real or are you not real? Are you following me or are you just kind of following me? Because if you're kind of following me, then I don't, I don't have time. Because what I need is I need followers who want to follow Jesus 100%. If I haven't been abrupt enough, may I be abrupt just one more time. In your life today, it's time. Whether you believe you're 100% in or 90% in, 50% in, 25% in, I don't care what it is, it's time. The Lord is asking for you to make a commitment. The Lord is asking you to make a covenant with him. The Lord is asking you to say, I'm going to follow you 100% of the way. There's nothing that's going to pull me back. Yes, there may be things that I face. Yes, they may be difficult times. Yes, they may be things. But as for me and my house, I'm going to choose to follow you today. If you're going to choose him, then choose him. If you're going to choose money or choose this world or want to be halfway in and no, listen, the hardest thing about it, I, I, little off sermon just for a moment. What really drives me nuts is those is Christians. I almost said those Christians, like I'm not one, but I am a Christian, so I probably do the very same thing. So probably I'm probably speaking about myself here, but I love it when someone goes, man, we got to pray for so-and-so. Corey, can I use you as an example? Nothing personal. This is, this is just putting Corey, putting a name to this instead. I won't use you, Chassie. You should be happy. Corey did something to me. And the very first thing, Corey aggravated me. He said something. He made me aggravated, made me mad. And I go home and say, Lord, will you please just change Corey's heart? He really drives me nuts when he does those things. That bald head gleaming in the, in the light. It really drives me nuts. I wish he'd wear more deodorant, too. It drives me nuts. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but we always pray for that other person to change. We always pray for that other person to be different. How about we go before the Lord and say, instead of praying for someone else to be different, how about we go before the Lord and say, Lord, change me. Change my heart. Yeah, they aggravate me. It's okay to get aggravated. But instead of praying that they change, that God changes them, why don't you pray that God changes you? See, the truth of the matter is, is when we're 100% into God, we don't care about what anyone else. Yeah, we get aggravated with people, we get mad with other people, but we're more concerned with where our heart is than where the heart of someone else is. Because if my heart's in the right place, then I can witness to people and God can move through me and, and, and God will change, in this example, Corey, if I'm worried about myself and not worried about him. God is the great, one who changes, not us. We must choose to get rid of the other gods in our life, to be serious about our faith, to follow him. Let's stop praying that God's going to bring someone in to do something for us, and let's start praying that God moves us to do something great. There's a total different avenue to that prayer. That prayer is that I'm going to choose God and I'm going to serve God. And when God comes down, I'm going to follow him and I'm going to go wherever he has me go. I'm going to say whatever he has me say. And it's not going to be the pastor who's going to have to go share with my neighbor. It's not going to be Chaz who's going to have to go preach and, and share, preach, listen, preach, uh, share with my neighbor. It's going to be me. I'm going to go do it because my life, I'm 100% dedicated. And so I'm going to go to my neighbor and I'm going to share. It's not going to be me who calls the church and says, hey, listen, 
uh, so-and-so needs help with their groceries down the street. Can, you, uh, can, you, can, can the church send them money for that? No, why don't you just reach out, dust the, the, the dust off your wallet, right? You know, blow that dust and the cobwebs off there and write a check out and pay for the groceries for your neighbor who needs help. When your neighbor is moving and it's just you, why does it always have to be someone who, who why can't you just go, I, I'll, I'll do it, I'll come help you. Don't ask for someone else. Why, does, why is it that we're always searching as Christians for someone else to come in and God to answer instead of us being the hands and feet that God created us to be? If we're 100%, if God, if we're really following God and we're following him and we're chosen to be, then we should be excited to have opportunities to go and serve the Lord. We should be excited to go to do the things that he has called us to do. And we should look upon those things as an opportunity to serve the God who we are 100% in with. It's time for a covenant-making decision. It's time this day to choose whom you will serve. Verse 25 says, Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place the statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth. Sorry, my eyes were... That was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us. For it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. A few years ago in downtown Cleveland, there was a huge sign. And on that sign was LeBron James. And it said, we are witnesses. You know, I used to drive by that sign when I'd go into Cleveland for meetings and I'd look at that sign and, and I'd say, Lord, we are witnesses. Not to some man who's playing a game who gets paid way too much money to play that game unless you're the one making that money, right? But, uh, but we are witnesses to God's amazing work in his life. When you made a commitment to follow, if you're here today and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, if you're here today and you're following him, then you have made a commitment to him. Your witnesses, the people around you and yourself who made that commitment. But today, when I ask you to make this covenant again, to stand before the Lord and say, I choose to follow him, then what I want you to understand is that not only are you a witness to God and the commitment that you made, but everyone around here together who speaks these words are speaking these words as a witness together. What that means is that as we go about, Joshua is talking to the people to set this large stone up. Joshua said, all the people, behold, this stone shall be a witness against us. For it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. Your very words will be a witness to God of what you spoke. The commitment that we make before the Lord. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Joshua asked the people, and so I ask you today as we come to a close of this series on Joshua, to choose this day whom you will serve. Do I want you to follow God? Of course I do. 
But as your pastor, I won't always be here. I don't have any plans of dying if that's what you're asking. No, I'm not. But I won't always be with you. I won't always be beside you. There'll be times when you're at your job and at your home and and in places that I can't be. In the same way that Joshua was encouraging his people to choose God, you must also make a choice. You must also choose to follow God. Are you going to serve the gods of this land? Money, sex, addiction, jobs, whatever they might be. Or are you going to choose to follow the one true living God? The one that will, one will take great faith. One will take an amazing amount of faith to choose to follow him. One will take, will cause you to ask questions like, do we really have to walk around this wall seven times? One will have you standing at the shore of Jordan saying, there's no way across this shore. I don't know how I'm going to get across that shore or how I'm going to get across that river. One will ask you and and encourage you to pray and ask the Lord to make the sun stop in the day so that you can finish the work that you have to do. That's the Lord, our God, who we serve. The other gods, the gods of this earth, will make things really, really enticing while you're here on this earth. They'll make things seem so exciting and so fun. They'll make it seem like you're not, that you're missing out if you follow God. But the truth of the matter is, is that those things are only temporal. Those things only last for a very short amount of time. And they're not very fun when you get down to it. Satan wants you to be confused about who to follow. Satan wants you to choose to follow the gods of this world because by following the gods of this world, you're not following your God in heaven who's leading you and wants you to have an internal life with him. And so I'm going to ask you to stand. Joshua went to the people and he said before the people, Choose this day whom you will serve, the gods you will serve, whether it be the gods of this earth that everyone else around you is serving, the ones that aren't Christians, the the people around you that are serving those gods. Choose this day. Do you want to serve those gods? Then that's fine. Serve those gods. Or do you want to serve the God who has done amazing miracles in our midst right here, in Linda's life, in Clarence's life, in Amy's life, It's Tanya's life, in my life, in your life. God has done amazing miracles in all of our lives. He's done amazing things in our lives, and he just asks us to choose this day whom we are going to serve. I believe today that the Lord is calling for us to make this covenant with him because he wants to do amazing things in and through us in this very place. But we have to go beyond the second nature. We have to go beyond the split minds. We have to go beyond, I'm going to serve God, but I'm also going to serve this world. I'm going to go to church on Sunday and then the rest of the week I'm going to live like a hellion. You can't do that. I believe the Lord is asking you to make a decision today. I believe wholeheartedly that God is giving us this chance to stand before him and say, this is the day that I will choose to follow you because he wants to go above and beyond. He wants, I said this uh, last week, to ratchet up our prayers, but I believe that not only does he want us to ratchet up our prayers, but he wants us to ratchet up our Christian lives too. 
He wants us to say, no more am I going to just... I've never been a person in my life to just sacrifice and to, to accept just the average. I don't want the average. I don't want that. Average is boring. I want above and beyond. I want everything that God has for me. Even if that means I have to stand at the River Jordan and look at that and say, I have no clue how I'm going to get across that. I don't want normal. I don't want to stand before the walls of something that's in my life and say, God, I don't know how I'm going to accomplish this. I don't know how I'm going to get over this. But because you say so, I will follow you. And have those walls fall flat to the ground. I don't know how God's going to work in your life, but I know that he's asking you today to choose this day whom you're going to serve. And so what I want to do here in a moment is I'm going to pray. And what I want you to do is in your own way, however you feel comfortable doing that, I feel most comfortable raising my hands as just who I am. But I'm going to raise my hands before the Lord and say, Father, I choose to make a covenant with you today to follow you, to choose this day that me and my household will serve you. And I want to encourage you to make that commitment too, if you can. But as Joshua said to his people, choose this day whom you're going to serve. If you don't want to, that's fine. You don't have to. But if you do, understand that your own voice becomes a witness against you that you chose this day to follow God. And God wants you to follow them. So can we, with all our eyes closed, stand before the Lord and let's make a commitment, a covenant with Him. If you feel comfortable, go ahead and raise your hands. If not, just do whatever you feel comfortable in your seat. You can put them out like, the, like you're holding baby Simba. I don't care what you do. Put your arms out. Let's repeat this and say, Lord, I want to make a covenant with you today to serve you, to follow you. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We put to rest all the gods of this earth. Anything that has taken your place. And we serve you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's sing this worship song together. I'm free because you said I am free. I'm free no matter how I feel, no matter what I see. Your word is my authority in every season of life. So as for me and my house, we're gonna be free. And I will stand up fight for my freedom and I will stand up and take what belongs to me and I will worship in my situation and I will lift my hands and lift my voice declare I am free as for me and my house as for me in my house, as for me in my house, we're gonna be free. As for me in my house, as for me in my house, 
As for me and my house, we're gonna be free. And I declare freedom for my family. I declare freedom for my home. I declare freedom for my daughters. I declare freedom for my sons. I declare what your word has spoken. No matter how I feel or what I see. I declare every chain is broken. We're gonna be free. And as for me and my house, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, we're gonna be free. And as for me and my house, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, we're gonna be free. And I declare freedom for my family. I declare freedom for my home. I declare freedom for my daughters. I declare freedom for my sons. I declare what your word has spoken. No matter what I feel or how I see, I declare every chain is broken. We're gonna be free. As for me and my house, as for me and my house, and as for me and my house, we're gonna be free. And as for me and my house, and as for me and my house, and as for me and my house, we're gonna be free. We're gonna be free. We're gonna be free. Today, declaring freedom for my house. Freedom for our house. Freedom for our home. Freedom for our daughters. Freedom for our sons. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord, I pray that you send us forth from this place walking in that confidence, walking in the ability to understand that we have chosen to follow you, that we have chosen to make a covenant before you. And that covenant goes beyond just us. It does cover our home. It does cover our daughters. It does cover our sons. It covers our husbands who aren't here. It covers our wives who aren't here. It covers our children who may not be here. walk. Church, let's walk in that power, that freedom that comes with choosing God. Choosing the Lord. Choosing to serve Him. Father, you make a way where there is no way. You make us free when we seem to be slaves. You make a way over the Jordan. The rivers of our lives, the obstacles that stand before us, you go before us and you destroy those and you part the water so that we can walk through. Father, you take us and you guide us to the things in our life, the walls of Jericho that stand before us and you call us in faith to walk out before you and to follow you even when it may not seem sensible. 
Even when we don't understand it, you cause us and you tell us to walk around the walls. And as we follow you, as we are obedient in our faith to you, you have the walls crumble before us. Lord, you give us things to do on this earth. You give us tasks that we have to perform to go and share our faith with those around us. And you care so much about us doing those tasks that you even caused a day to pause so that we can finish the task that we have at hand. And all you ask for us is to choose this day whom we will serve. And so, Lord, we choose to follow you. Lord, I pray for every single person in this room that they have been able to make that decision to follow you, that they have made that covenant with you, that they will choose to follow you this day. And that as they leave this place and walk out into this world around us, that they won't be distracted or dismayed. They won't be pulled away from that covenant, but they will be encouraged and uplifted and brought into a strength that comes in the freedom of following you. Lord, I pronounce a blessing over every single one of the people that are here today and that are listening online. A blessing of your faith, a blessing of your joy, a blessing of your peace, a blessing of your strength. We speak that over them and we ask you that you would allow them to accept that now, that they would see light in their dark places, that they would walk where you would have them to walk their footsteps would be directed by you. That everywhere their foot goes, everywhere that their footsteps, that there would be freedom. There would be peace, that there would be joy, that there would be love because you are guiding those steps. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this amazing time that we can spend before and with you. Go before us as you did the people of Israel, Father. Remove the obstacles from our life as we follow you and do what you have called us to do. Help us to glorify you and honor you and praise you because you deserve that and so much more. We'll be sure to testify of the goodness, the gospel, the good news that you bring to us. In Jesus' most precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. See you again next week. If you have any prayer requests, please feel free to come forward. Love to have an opportunity to pray with you.